Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Greetings and welcome to a new episode of Stargate Archives and a new episode of Stargate Theatre. On this episode I'm going to be looking at the 2007 movie Mega Snake, starring Michael Shanks. This movie was directed by Tibor Tak. He's worked on Red Shoe Diaries, The Outer Limits, Earth Final Conflict, Rocky Mountain Christmas. Definitely moved into the hallmark and lifetime style of movies in the recent years. The story was by Bose Davidson. He's better known now for being a producer. He worked on Rambo Last Blood and The Expendables 3, Angel Has Fallen, and the two writers, Robbie Robinson and Alexander Volz. Not too much from them pair. The music for this film was by David Klotz and Guy Zafara, and the stunt coordinator, Jordan Zaryev. No critical scores on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 17% audience score. So, not good. Like I said, this movie stars Michael Shanks. He plays Les Daniels. Michael, of course, if you're listening to this, you know who Michael Shanks is. He starred in SG-1 and appeared on Atlantis and Universe. He was also in the movies Lyceum, starred in Saving Hope, and appeared on Unspeakable, Altered Carbon and Bird Notice, plus many, many more. Okay then, from the title of the movie, I think you know what you're going to expect. As always, going to be spoiled rotten. If you haven't seen this movie yet, I would recommend giving it a go. I would always recommend giving these B-movies a go. Even when they're bad, they often can be very, very entertaining. But for now then, we'll jump straight into Megasnake. The movie opens with production credits, Revolver Entertainment and New Image, two houses I have never heard of. And we get a slow point of view camera shot going through some woodland with the cast superimposed on top. I can't say I like the music they've chosen. Got a definite country vibe to it. Harmonica, the particular guitar playing style, doesn't suit my taste. That said, I do like the cinematography. The filters they're running on this woodland makes it look very eerie. The camera pans out of the wood. We see a farmhouse, a station wagon, East Tennessee, 1986. Right, we see a guy go into a wooden box which is full of snakes and he draws out quite a big one. Then we cut to inside the house. A mother, a young boy, runs down the stairs. He's dressed quite smartly. I get the feeling that this could be a run to the Sunday church service. She asks him where the brother is, and we find young Les in the uh, closet, hiding away. I don't want to go! I don't want to! Well, little Les has got no choice. He gets bundled into the car alongside his brother, and his dad puts the box with the snake in on the laps. We cut to the church. We've got a preacher, snake handling. Never quite understood this particular branch of Christianity, but that's not my place. Anyhow, the preacher's getting the congregation all riled up. Got the feeling something bad's going to happen. Yep, they're forcing young Les to hold on to the snake. Turns and bites his father on the wrist, and his father dies. While the congregation proclaims it's God's will. Nobody calls for a doctor, ambulance. We see the family at the gravesite. Yep. And I doubt these people believed in insurance or anything like that, because any insurance company would go, what? <laughs> he had a poison snake in his hand? I'd love to see the policy for that. Anyhow, now it's 20 years later. The mom and the two brothers are on the kitchen table. Les has all grown up to become Michael Shanks. He looks like he's an EMT. His brother, Duff. Duff. 
is played by John T. Woods. Look through his resume. Nothing particularly stands out. Guest spots in CSI Miami, Recently Deceased, iCarly, Dark Blue, NCIS. Can't find the actual listing for the actress that plays the mother though. It doesn't actually give the character's first name. Oh wait, hang on. The character's name is Dixie. Dixie Daniels, played by Laura Giosch. Been in Annihilation Earth, The Grudge Part 3, We Die Young, Absentia, Wildlings, Pandora. So, she's actually getting quite a bit of work over the last few years. Les leaves the house, and awaiting on his steps is his EMT partner, Faye, played by Michelle Yane, Israeli actress, been in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, The Eight, 88 Minutes, Bittersweet, a lot of TV in uh, Native Homeland. At this point, don't know if she's going to be a love interest. She does slap him on the ass though, and, oh right, he has got a girlfriend. Even this early on, I'm guessing that the girlfriend really isn't any good for him. This is the woman he's meant to be with. The first port of call for the EMTs is at campground. A young boy's hurt his head. His father isn't too impressed. Walk it off, boy. Les says maybe trip to the hospital just in case of concussion. Here we meet Erin, played by Siri Barrack. She's been in Law and Order, Criminal Intent, War Wolves, Turbulent Skies and Writer's Block. It seems that this was Les's girlfriend, or at least until last night. Something went on. Something not good. Oh yes. Commitment. Erin is ready to move on with a life, a family, marriage. Les, not so much. He asks her what other options he's got. Eventually she mentions Big Bo, and Bo pops his head up in <laughs> the other side of the car. The actor looks familiar, but I don't recognise the name. Todd Jensen. Quick IMDB, Burn Notice, The Glades, Ghost Town, Ninja, Wrong Turn 3, Star Runners. Oh, I've seen a couple of them. Maybe one of those faces, one of those actors you always see in things, but never really learn the name. Never really makes it big. Anyhow, it looks like Erin does have options. <laughs> Although, I don't think Bo is really her type. We're back in town with Les's brother, Duff. He goes to a tattoo shop, meets Screaming Hawk, played by Ben Cardinal. Ben's been in Heartland, Art Gear, Cold Squad, Chris Isaac's show, Call of the Wild, and Unforgiven. Excellent movie. He plays a snake wrangler. Duff is looking for a particular type of deadly snake for his ministry. Obviously taken over from his father. And it seems that Screaming Hawk is the only man in town who provides such a snake. Carolina pygmies, huh? Very deadly snake. Well, it's kind of the point. At the back of the shop, we see hundreds of Tupperware containers full of snakes. Screaming Hawk has got big rubber gloves on. Duff doesn't seem concerned. The power of Christ protects him. He notices one particular container with a, an exotic looking snake in. The Ortega, one of the most deadly snakes alive. Killed thousands of Screaming Hawks people before they managed to hunt them all down and kill them all. Except for this one. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yep, you know what's going to happen, don't you? Oh, we're getting very, very strong Gremlins vibes here. He's being warned that there are certain measures you have to do to protect yourself from this snake. Duff, of course, not listening. Offers 50 bucks for this snake. This is one of a kind, this is worth thousands, tens of thousands to the right person. But then again, if you're not fond of a white man, <laughs> might as well give it to him. Perhaps some good will come to it. Especially after Duff claims to be one-tenth Cherokee. You're making a mockery of my ancestors. Okay, uh, 75. Anteka is not for sale. Oh no, you've got to be kidding me. The phone rings. Screaming Hawk leaves the room to go and answer it. 
And of course, Dove grabs a snake and does a runner. No good will come of this. None at all. The workday is done. Les is dropped off at home by Faye. He's introduced to Enteka, the snake. Thankfully, he's still in its jaw. <laughs> Duff has resisted the urge to experiment. And it doesn't take too long before Duff is being, well, Duff. He knocks the jaw off the table. It smashes. The snake gets loose. Les jumps six feet in the air. <laughs> and we see that the snake probably triples in size in a heartbeat. This is not an ordinary snake. Duff grabs a piece of Tupperware, corrals a snake, and we cut to later in the evening. Les has called Erin, not getting any reply, or at least getting the answering machine. And he's not that nice a guy. She might be on a date, he's not having any of it. At least stalker vibes, or very possessive, jealous even. And we see him get into a truck, so, oh my god, he isn't actually going to her house and checking up on her as well. No, I don't think I like Les. Even played by Michael Shanks. Oh no, no. Oh, the little kitten is investigating the box with the snake in. It tumbles to the floor, and we don't see the snake, and we see the kitten reacting. Its back is arching. We hear the meowing. We see blood droplets. Oh god, no. Killed the little pussycat. The little kitten is dead. Oh dear me. That was... That was gruesome. <laughs> we are going to see dozens of people killed by the snake throughout this movie, but... Surely the worst kill is a little kitten. Oh no, Mama is doing some baking, and the snake is crawling out the room, but it can't get under the door, because there's a big lump inside it. The kitten's body is blocking access. <laughs> oh dear. Uh... The snake is certainly getting bigger. It is significantly bigger than it was, and it looks like Mama's next on the list. The CGI for the snake isn't terrible. Granted... You've got your basic texturing, basic shading. It hasn't got a huge amount of interaction with the actual staircase, with the floors it's moving against. You can tell it's it's almost like it's hovering a fraction of an inch above the floor. But the actual detail, the actual movement is reasonably good. This may not carry on as the snake gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but for the moment, this works. Oh, change of plan. The snake has bypassed Mama and gone for the chicken coop. And a point of view from the snake. Snake POV freaky. The big question of course is why has the chicken coop got a dog flap or a cat flap? Why would you have easy access for any animal into a chicken coop? Because that's how the snake gets in. Anyhow, <laughs> it rips the chickens apart and this is when mama hears the commotion and she goes out with the broom, walks into the chicken coop, blood everywhere and there's one chicken still in the corner flapping away, obviously hurt. She goes to it and out pops a snake. It strikes, she falls, it bites her a couple of times and then starts chewing on her hand. This is one mean snake. Well, after that, my faith has been restored. Les hasn't gone tracking down his ex. He's gone to meet Faye and her friends at the Hole in the Wall bar. <laughs> I think it's apparent to everybody except Les that she quite fancies him. How about a toast? To what? New beginnings. Hell yeah. And about four or five beers later, she's got her feet in his lap. He's caressing her knee, both a little sloshed. She plants a smacker on him, fall around a bit. And of course his ex and Beau walk in the door. Uh-oh. Erin ain't too pleased to see her former fella messing about with Faye. What she's got to do with it, I'm not quite so sure. Got the impression that they were broken up. 
She takes the opportunity maybe to try to make Les a bit jealous. She smacks one on to Bo. Faye's not going to be outdone. She straddled Les. <laughs> Everybody seems to be going for it. <laughs> Bo's hanging on for dear life. And Les and Faye walk out the bar. Well, I say walk. She's jumped on his back for a little piggy ride. And at this point, Erin just laps Bo away. Yep, she has no interest in Bo except to make Les jealous. Don't think this is going to end very well for either of the women. Let alone Les. The next morning, we're at the Daniels house. Duff wakes up, sees the overturned Tupperware container. Snake's gone out. He, he looks under the covers. <laughs> he goes out, gets the pitchfork, starts searching the area, and he finds a snake. Significantly bigger than the last time he saw it. He puts it into the box, and we see that his mother is still alive in the chicken coop. Barely alive. We cut to a long shot of a very pretty scenic lake and we see in the <laughs> in the truck bed Les and Faye. Did we? Uh, don't think so. <laughs> You're still fully clothed. I think you both uh, had a bit too much to drink and passed out. So that's difficult to explain when Erin pulls up after a report of an abandoned truck and she sees the pair of them. She points out that all she did was bow was kiss him and Les attempts to explain the very same but no luck. She drives off angry. Duff, I believe, has finally realised that his god may not protect him from this snake. This is a devil beast. He decides to kill it while it's trapped in its box. Crowbar, jab, 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 jab. Blood everywhere. Certainly looks dead. And then he chooses to bury it. Okay. <laughs> Are we going to get a zombie snake? I hope so. And Les returns home later that night to find Duff sitting at the kitchen table drinking. Nobody noticed that the mother isn't there. I've got the feeling that Mom Daniels doesn't really get out much, so <laughs> come on, Duff. Where's Ma? Mm. Out having fun, I guess. Seriously, I don't think Mom has had a night out since she was married. This doesn't look like a family dynamic that gives the woman of the house much freedom and liberty to do her own agenda. The two boys go into town, hole in the war bar, tempers flare, and fisticuffs. They're finally having it out, all the anger, annoyance that's been between them, perhaps since before their father died. Meanwhile, back at the home, oh no, not the doggy. The doggy's gone out to investigate the grave of the snake and something's moving under the soil. Oh no, they've already killed the kitten. Now they're going to kill the dog. Damn you, film. Damn you. Oh, poor Izzy. Didn't stick around too long. Anyhow, the two brothers have split up. Les has stayed in town, going to call on Erin. Not a good idea when you're drunk. Duff, of course, goes home. He's got some beer, got some chicken. Little does he know that there's a giant killer snake roaming the land. And by roaming, I mean in the living room behind him. And we get a comic kill. The snake creeps up behind him while he's sitting on the couch. It's looking down on him. And when he turns left, it moves right. When he looks right, it moves left. Until finally, the snake's saliva drips on his chicken and he looks up. And there it is, looking down, huge, and grabs his head, and he's thrashing about, and that's the end of Duff. That was a good kill, and that was good CGI for the budget. That worked very well. <laughs> Les wakes up, finds himself outside of Erin's apartment. Oh, embarrassing lad, Inva very embarrassing. She's going to have nothing to do with him anymore. She's given him his box of things. Their relationship is pretty much over. Just awfully embarrassing for the lad. He goes home. He notices the wrecked dining room. The living room. Blood all over the sofa. 
Yeah, this was a bad night to be missing from home when your mother is still, well, is she dead in the chicken coop or is she still clinging on to life? Either way, the dog's dead. Curious, Duff's body is not there. I wonder if this is how the snake is powering its huge metabolic transformation. It ate the cat, it ate the dog, it's getting bigger and bigger, it ate all the chickens, didn't eat the mother. It looks like did it kill Duff though and eat him? Is the snake bigger? God help everybody if it is. Les goes outside, still calling for his mama. Finally realised that she's missing as well. We see the door to the chicken coop is open. My guess is that the snake is way too big to go through the little flap. And in hindsight, it's not a cat flap or a dog flap, it's a chicken flap, isn't it? If you've got a door with a, well not a lock, but a latch on it, chickens need to go in and out. It's for the chickens. Duh. <laughs> Anyhow, he looks inside, he sees the carcasses of the chickens, the blood, the gore, but no mama. So has a snake come back and ate her? Got even bigger? We'll find out, because now the local authorities are there. Are you saying I killed my family? Well, I didn't say it, you did. Oh, okay then, Sherlock, uh, who killed all the chickens? <laughs> well, I don't know, the cat? Oh, then who killed the cat? The dog? Then who killed the dog? No, 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 don't tell me, I, I did that too. Okay then. That was wonderful dialogue. That was fantastic writing, beautifully delivered. That was above and beyond a sci-fi B-movie. <laughs> Brilliant. It's worth watching this movie just for that one scene. Erin, maybe not surprisingly, is offering a lot of comfort to Les. So much so that she takes him in the car and leaves the scene. She wouldn't have thought she would have been allowed to do since the police are on site. They come across local neighbour. All his goats have been et. Twenty-odd goats. And we see lumps of hide, tissue, bone. This is when the idea that a snake could be doing this. A snake would swallow something whole, digest it, and then regurgitate anything it couldn't eat, and then move on. So, <laughs> how big is this snake now? Bo turns up in his professional capacity. He's been a bit of a dick, it has to be said. Although, it's obvious Erin doesn't really have any solid feelings for the guy. He considers her his girlfriend. And he's on Les's back right away. He suspects Les has killed the goats. As well as the cat, the dog, his brother, his mother. Pretty much everybody that's gone missing. Everything that's gone missing. And up to the point where he draws his gun and arrests Les for the murder of everybody. It's a little too early to be laying down formal charges, I think. You arrogant redneck bonehead, listen to me! Yep, that about sums Bo up. We take a trip to the local lake. Nice picturesque area. Family, camping, children, barbecue. Oh, oh, this is going to be bad. It's going to be very, very bad. We've got snake POV again. Nicely done. It's getting closer and closer. The father looks up, sees it, tells his wife to get the boys, get them in the car, get out of here. And he stands his ground armed only with a spatula. That's a man for you. It doesn't really do him any good. The snake gets him, swallows him whole. Then it turns its eyes on the mother and the two boys that are in the truck. I suppose she hasn't got the keys, she hasn't driven out of here. It tries to batter its way through the door, but no luck, and it goes to the rear window, smashes straight through it, and we get a medium shot of the snake inside the car, people inside screaming, it's rocking away, and the camera slowly pans to the left, as the three family members are eaten, or at least killed. Brutal, very brutal. No doubt, Bo will try to convince everybody that Les did this as well. Erin appears on the crime scene, is investigating the family car, that's when Bo turns up, 
She points out that the door is damaged by something with two very large teeth. Obviously not a bear, probably a snake. Bo, no. The family had an accident. They've probably gone hiking. It is unbelievable the way they're writing this character. He is in... Oh, jeez. Oh, Please, he's got to die. He's got to die in the most vicious, bloodthirsty way possible. And then a limo appears. Oh, no. Is this the uh, the town mayor, politician, wanting to keep things quiet because it's tourist season? Let's find out. Yep, Bo is laying on the flannel. The politician, he doesn't want to know that there's a problem. Certainly, he's not taking any idea that this is a giant snake because the county fair is only a day away. They can't cancel the fair. <laughs> the whole economy of the town relies upon it. And Bo is even worse. He is a condescending prick. This guy wants to sleep with this woman. He may want to sleep with this woman again, depending upon what's been going on behind the scenes. That's out the window. It's got no chance. That's if they survive. And while we're at it, please kill the mayor as well. Or at least buy him a decent suit. I'm pretty sure the actor had better fitting clothes than the wardrobe department gave him. <laughs> Erin goes investigating the immediate area. Nice music. None of this country plinky plonky. Got a bit of bite to it. Ominous. Suspenseful. Looks like she finds a skin. The snake has grown again. Shed its skin. So it's going to be even bigger. She drives into town. Goes to the police station. Uh, looks like the local deputies are a bit distracted. Les is in the cell <laughs> with a big piece of wood. Trying to get hold of the keys. For some reason, Erin decides to break him out. Well, understand the reasoning. She knows he's not guilty. On the other hand, she is breaking the law. And I don't think the fact that Bo likes her is going to change his mind if he decides to arrest her. She releases Les and shows him the snakeskin. He realises how big it is. And then he recalls what his brother told him about a very rare, very dangerous snake. And it was in a jar at home. They jump in a park ranger vehicle and drive off, just as the deputy is pulling up. He takes the snakeskin into Big Bo. Bo is flirting with Faye. And she is responding. What the hell's going on? <laughs> it seemed that Faye was seriously interested in Les. And the only reason she wasn't making a play for him was because he was with Erin. He breaks up with Erin. And she makes a move. Now, she's messing about with Bo. Who considers Erin a tease. Because maybe she hasn't fallen for his southern charm. Anyhow, Bo finally realises that this is a big snake. Gets his deputies and off they go hunting the snake. Oh no, it looks like the producer knew somebody with some ATVs. The sheriff and his deputies are, yep, going hell for leather on three ATVs. And they're not wearing helmets. As luck would have it, they find another snakeskin. So it's grown even bigger. They find the remains of the family that were taken from the lake. Obviously their flesh has fueled its growth. And that's when we see snake point of view. And it's looking down at one of the deputies who's sitting on the ATV. It lunges, grabs him straight over the head into the shoulders. Yum, yum, yum. The ATV accelerates, goes out of control, strikes the other deputy. Bo draws his firearm, starts pumping bullets into the snake. It ain't gonna do any good. It goes for him, grabs him by the shoulder and the arm starts to really the good chew. Until the other deputy gets his shotgun, fires a couple of rounds into the snake. It lunges at him and eats him alive, whole. Bo, clutching his severely damaged arm, makes a run for it, and eventually comes across the small trailer camp of the two hunters that Duff questioned about the snake. These two guys are Patterson and Cooley, 
and at least these bears seem to be relatively well armed, unlike the sheriff and his deputies when they went hunting for this giant snake. What y'all doing here so late at night and so heavily armed? Hunting snakes. You saw the snake? Not us, big boat. But he didn't live long enough to tell. He's dead? Extremely. Oh yeah, Bo's dead. Bit of an anticlimax, though. <laughs> I was hoping for more blood, more gruesome carnage. But never mind. He's out of the story now. Lezanerin identify the jar the snake came in. It has Cheyenne markings. And of course that will even to Screaming Hawk, who they visit the next day and learn about Duff stealing the snake. Screaming Hawk, initially rather annoyed, calms down when he realises the risk the snake poses to the local community, especially since it's already killed and eaten fresh meat. He goes on to explain some of the folklore surrounding the snake, how his ancestors combat the evil that it brings. You kill it from within. You don't fear the snake. Only by accepting the snake can you actually become a threat to it. Les is a bit bewildered about this. He doesn't quite get it. But then Erin points out that snakes hunt by heat, sound, scent. All of those are generated when you are scared, when you are afraid. If you're not afraid, you're less likely to be considered a threat. The snake won't be as aggressive. It will swallow you whole. And then you can kill it from within. Surprisingly, Screaming Hawk is really up for this. The legends of his people, the great warriors that fought the snake, he can be one of them. Boy, he's got the biggest knife. <laughs> Cooley and Patterson are not bothering with knives. They're roaring around the woods in the truck mounted with a flamethrower. They're playing loud rock music and the snake is in pursuit. It is big. It is as long as a semi, probably about 10 feet high, and it's closing on them. They're not hunting it anymore. They're just trying to survive. And that's when the flamethrower conks out. They hit a rock. Truck is beached. Ooh, they're doomed. The snake is upon him, coolly falls out the truck. The snake makes quick work of him. Patterson jumps out, and we get some very nice wire work here. He grabs onto the truck, the snake's got his leg, and the snake drags him up into a big tree. So yeah, very nice stunt work. It then turns into a constrictor for some reason. Wraps itself around him, squeezes, and gallons of blood spurts out his head. <laughs> well done special effects guys, well done stunt coordinator and stuntmen. Well, it's the night of the Thornton County Fair. The mayor is addressing the crowd of townspeople, men, women and children. And you want to know what? This is the epicentre of the attack. This is where the snake has its lair. Who would have thought it, eh? <laughs> Welcome to opening night of the Thornton County Fair and this awful unusual cold weather. I'm looking at this fairground and it looks a lot more permanent than it should do. And this looks like it's going to be the big set piece. Because immediately we see a car pull up. Three boys get out, totally stoned. One goes back for his stash that he dropped. He gets et. The other two boys come back and just start giggling when they see the giant snake with this big bulge in its stomach. We see a little girl, drops a teddy bear, walks back to the car. Her mother hasn't noticed this little five or six year old is missing. Oh no, not the girl. Surely not the girl. <laughs> they have already killed a puppy and a kitten. But no, no, the little girl's safe. And then we get a couple of teenagers in the woods surrounding the park, making out. She's a little bit nervous, someone's watching us. She has a look around, and we hear some grunting and shouting in the background, and then a huge amount of blood pours down the embankment. That's another one dead. Fast-paced ride, full of people spinning round and round. The snake is round the back, 
sees all these people going around in a big circle and lunges and takes about four or five people's heads off in one jump. The operator is covered in blood. He looks around and there are decapitated bodies whizzing around. <laughs> this actually looks a lot better than I'm describing it. This is pretty good. As the ride stops, the people around it start to panic, utter chaos. We cut to the kiddies area where they're getting a demonstration on the danger of electricity from feedback. PVC clad gentleman. He tells the little lad. <laughs> Come on, little guy, say it with me. If you see something dangerous, tell a grown-up. Again, nicely done. A nice set piece, a lot of humour, but when the snake arrives, it attempts to go to town, but surprisingly, feedback grabs a pole that's conducting some electricity and fends the snake off. Grabs one of the kiddies who's in danger and gets him to safety. Well done, Mr. Feedback. Played by Matthew Atherton. Not a huge resume, who wants to be a superhero? Special Unit 2, NCIS, Timeless, Me, Myself and I. But in this, he's the hero. And then we see Screaming Hawk, Les and Erin approaching the fairground. And again, I think the production really did themselves credit. There are not dozens, but maybe hundreds of extras on site. I don't know if it was the fact that this was a public fairground. They managed to get everybody who was there that night involved for the cost of maybe a bag of popcorn and a hot chocolate, but it certainly makes the movie look better. And I love it. <laughs> Half the people are running for their lives, but the people on the dodgems, nah, we're not going anywhere, mate. And let this be an example how difficult it is to get dozens of extras all to work in unison when you've got a big CGI beast to film around. Yep, you can have a guy with a tennis ball on a stick, giving them an eye level, but when half the crowd are panicking and the other half are just standing there as if nothing's happening, you've got a problem. We see that Faye is doing her best to get the people out. Unfortunately, she gets cornered by the snake and, well, that's Faye's gone. So my prediction of that she would be the main love interest is definitely out the window now. <laughs> Although I think after she was mucking about with Bo, yeah, I realised I made a mistake. She wasn't the woman I thought she was. Did you see that? It's incredible! Oh yeah, it's great! Oh no, another little girl, stuck all by herself on one of the little rides. Will somebody save her? Oh crap. <laughs> Erin makes a dash because she's a bit closer than the mother, grabs the little girl, pulls her out of the ride, passes her over to the mother, but Erin stays inside the ride because the snake's right there. And it swallows the whole thing, swallows the ride and Erin whole. I think she'd be okay, she is surrounded by steel, but <laughs> and the snake might have an indigestion, but... Screaming Hawk grabs his knife, he lunges, buries it to the hilt in the snake's throat or whatever body part you want to call it. Does something to do much to upset it though, and it slithers away. Les is about to throw in the towel. You just can't fight something that big, that powerful. And then he hears Erin's voice on the walkie-talkie. She's still alive in the snake, and they have excellent radio reception. Armed with his new knowledge, he girds his loins, and along with Screaming Hawk, they go in pursuit of the snake. It looks like they're in some large-scale haunted house. They're following the tracks down into the lower levels. Lots of smoke. Decapitated bodies being thrown at them via springs designed to terrify teenagers. And they get to an open area. Screaming Hawk, he's here. And that's when loud music starts blurring. Strobe lights are going off. And we see the snake POV. It lunges for Screaming Hawk, but he spins. He gets it with its knife. The snake headbutts him, really, I suppose. 
Bit of wire work again, he goes flying into a control panel. It looks like he's seriously hurt. The music stops and Les goes, you got to get up, you got to help him. But no, Les, this is your fight. You're the one that's going to have to show no fear. You're the one that's going to have to follow Erin down the gullet of the snake. <laughs> to kill it from the inside. Just like Drax did in Guardians 2. Les, with newfound confidence, takes a knife from Screaming Hawk and basically stands in the middle of the room as the snake approaches. It towers above him and maybe seems a bit puzzled that its prey isn't really running. Les stands perfectly still and the snake opens its jaw wider and wider and slowly, ever so slowly, envelops Les in one huge bite. And down he goes, deeper into the snake's body. The snake turns its attention to Screaming Hawk Definitely fancies a nibble of him, and then it suddenly writhes around. We hear a colourful scream, a moaning sound, and the snake collapses. Wow, Screaming Hawk, that was bloody close. <laughs> you were nearly a goner. And then a knife protrudes from the stomach of the snake, and bit by bit the opening is enlarged, and Les tumbles out. Michael Shanks covered in gore and fake blood and all sorts of crap. He reaches in and pulls Erin out as well, and she's covered as well. <laughs> An actor's life, eh? And while the CGI of the snake maybe isn't brilliant, the practical effects are very, very good. It looked as believable as you could probably hope for. Gotta say, fortunate that there's oxygen inside the snake for Erin to breathe. Because <laughs> she was in there for a good six, seven minutes. But once again, the Unteka is destroyed. Until next time. The three survivors walk slowly out of the tunnels, we cut to a scene of Les and Erin on the porch of the family home with a youngster, so at least a year has passed. The camera pulls away, we see the three gravestones, Les's parents and his brother. It's been an interesting uh, year or so for the man. And as the camera continues to pan across the woodland, the closing credits come up. And that's it. Mega Snake is over. Surprisingly, no last minute teaser to provide material for a sequel. That is unusual to say the least. These movies tend to throw in a little little last scene to make a sequel at least plausible. But not to worry. That wasn't too bad a movie. Certainly seen better snake movies, but they didn't try too hard to make the snake look realistic. The CGI worked pretty good. Snake had a lot of character. Textures were pretty good. Some of the long shots where you saw the snake big and they kind of matted in the smaller action or the CGI to emphasise a certain element didn't work quite so well, but I'll forgive that. The location shooting was good, the acting was fine, no really complaints there. To be honest, I didn't know much of the cast, Michael Shanks obviously know him very well. The rest of them, not so much. Some of the accents were interesting, that was for sure. <laughs> Overall though, that was a pretty entertaining movie. Okay then, thank you very much for listening to this latest Stargate Theatre podcast, part of the Stargate Archives. You can see our show listed on various podcast websites such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Podbay and Stitcher. We have manual RSS feeds you can copy and paste into your favourite podcatcher. If you want to join me on the podcast to talk Stargate, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you've got a movie that features a Stargate actor which you'd like to talk about, we can do that as well. You can find us at stargatearchives.com, email stargatearchives at gmail.com. We are, of course, on Facebook. Do a search for Gatecast or a general search for Stargate. Hey, you never know what you might find. We're also listed on Tumblr and on Twitter, which is our main social media portal, at the Gatecast. 
Speaking of the Gatecast, that podcast closed after 398 episodes. We covered all the SG live-action series, plus a number of bonus shows as well. Uh, that is still going on, gatecast.co.uk. New listener to that? Mm, drop me a line, let me know. Granted, the quality of the content varied, but we did our best. Okay, once again, thank you very much for listening. Join me next time when I have no idea what I'm going to be covering. <laughs> Always a mystery. So, take care, keep watching Stargate. Until next time, bye-bye.